You're listening to the Storyteller Series from The Salvation Army. For more information or to share your questions and comments, visit SalvationArmySoundcast.org. The Book of Acts, Chapter 15 Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders, to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, Why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this, as it is written, After this I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild, and I will restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things, things known from long ago. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. Then the apostles and elders, with the whole church, decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, called Barsabas, and Silas, men who were leaders among the believers. With them, they sent the following letter. The apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. 
It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. So the men were sent off and went down to Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. After spending some time there, they were sent off by the believers with the blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. Some time later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him, because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So now we have reached chapter 15 of Acts. And just going back a little bit uh, in, in chapter 14, one thing that we saw there was how Paul balanced uh, preaching the gospel to, uh, to Gentiles, to those who haven't had heard the, the, the gospel yet, but also uh, encouraging the believers in their faith and strengthening the disciples. And he actually spent uh, time doing that as well. And I love, to, I love to see that balance. And then chapter 14, the very last verse, before we go into chapter 15, we hear that, that uh, Paul uh, and, and Barnabas, they, they remained for a while with the disciples. They spent time. They took time with the disciples. And I think that is so crucial because as we go into chapter 15 that we just uh, heard, uh, we see how they start uh, disagreeing with one another. The church starts disagreeing. And I think there's an important point here that, uh, and we can talk a little bit more about that. Can we? Is there room for us to disagree? Uh, I certainly think that there is. But this point of spending time together and encouraging and strengthening one another, being together, having a relationship is so important when it comes to us not looking, seeing things the exact same way, because if we have a relationship with one another and we love one another, then there is unity and there is room even for disagreements, I believe. And it's interesting how the church provides a model here in Acts 15 for what you're talking about, Anne, and how we uh, settle these disagreements, or how how do we handle these disagreements? We have here a model that is uh, repeated many times throughout church history after this, in there being a church council. Uh, the church has had many councils since this first church council, and in every case, uh, the church comes to a point where there is a matter of important disagreement. Uh, that the church has to come together and petition the Spirit for clarity around uh, and together um, find that place of clarity. In particular, the issue that has 
uh, arisen here is this issue of how the Gentiles are to be incorporated into the church. Um, we That's somewhat of a strange issue for us to consider because uh, the church is made up mostly of Gentiles today, but at this time, the church is primarily Jewish because it was very much a Jewish sect. Uh, it was, as the early church saw it, the natural outcome of the mission and history of the Old Testament. Uh, the, the ministry of Jesus was the inevitable result of all that had come before him that we find in the Old Testament. And so at this time, the church's self-conception is very, very Jewish. Uh, and yet there also is this um, leading of the Spirit to include into the church people who are not Jewish. And so the question um, comes up, well, what do we do then? How do we navigate this tension between uh, the, the history of the church so far and its very Jewish origins and now its ever-growing numbers in Gentile communities? Are the Gentiles are required to become Jews to become Christians, meaning are they required to observe the ritual laws of Moses that we find in the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament? And the resolution that um, the apostles come to is one that is sort of a, a middle path. Uh, now, one voice that's very important here is Peter's voice, who um, very clearly says that God, uh, the Holy Spirit, has not made any distinction between them, meaning the Gentiles, and us, uh, these Jewish apostles, for he has purified their hearts by faith. This is really the most important part of the kind of theological solution that the council comes to. It's this point of how God, the Holy Spirit, uh, has, through the ministry of Jesus, now come to reside within the hearts of all Christians. So much so that Christians can claim to have the mind of Christ, to have the very same mind, that that mind, that attitude, that disposition of being motivated by selfless holy love. And because of that, then, Christians no longer need the ritual law as a kind of tutor that teaches them about righteousness. Paul in Galatians talks about the law as he says, he uses this fancy word pedagogue, which is really just a fancy word for a tutor. Someone who at that time would walk with a student to school and quiz them about what they were learning at the time. And Paul says, this is what the law of Moses is like. It's like a tutor. It's meant to tutor us in, in righteousness and to train us up to be the people that God wants us to be, but now the tutor, the law, the pedagogue has been replaced by the Spirit who writes the law of Christ, the moral law of Christ, this law that we can sum up by uh, saying that you're to love uh, the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and to love your neighbor as yourself. This law now is written on the hearts of believers by the Holy Spirit, and we no longer need the ritual markers, the distinctions that once characterized uh, the people of God. Now, still, as I said earlier, the council reaches a kind of middle position, a kind of uh, moderate solution here, where they send this letter that instructs the Gentiles 
to not observe the vast majority of the ritual commandments of the Mosaic law, but to still abstain from food sacrificed to idols, uh, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. Um, some of these will seem a little odd to us today, uh, but actually some of these are, are laws that even go back further than uh, the law uh, at Sinai that was given. For instance, the um, law that requires that you abstain from eating uh, meat with blood, that goes all the way back to Noah. And so that's seen as more of a universal law. And then I don't know that any Christians today would really quibble with uh, abstaining from sexual immorality. Uh, and regardless, what the apostles are providing here is a, a solution for how they are going to insist on what they know to be true now in Christ. That is, believers being free in Christ from the law because of the guidance and sanctification of the Holy Spirit, but to also keep together these two communities that could very easily be torn apart. That is the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers. That's so good. In, in my uh, research and reading around this, one of the commentators suggested that it's the true heart of the pastor or shepherd to confront and dispute with those who are promoting false doctrine in the church. And I was thinking about how uh, it's not in my nature to be confrontational, but I'm married to someone who that is their nature, <laughs> <laughs> which makes for so many awkward moments for me in my life. Um, but it's actually my tendency, as much as I love the church and love others, and I love relationship and I love being with people, I often find ways to try and like move around um, and tiptoe around confrontation, especially when people are at a difference of opinion. And so it was very meaningful to me to read that a true pastor or shepherd, like as we see like in an Ephesians 4 sense where God gave to the church some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and um, pastors, shepherds, teachers. Did I forget anybody? He gave them to the church for the purpose of building up the church um, so we become mature, preparing God's people for works of service. And so in that sense, it's the true heart of a pastor or a shepherd to confront and dispute false teachings, to be like, okay, I'm just going to say that's not, that's not the thing. Like that is not it to call it out and then be ready for that conversation. And then, um, when that happens, uh, for someone like me who wants to shy away from confrontation to, um, to keep in step with Holy spirit and to listen for what is true, to not be so in love with being right that I have to argue to not be so afraid of confrontation or discord that I shut down the conversation, but to actually be willing to listen to the conversation. And for me, um, it's easier to do that when the people talking, when I respect and I trust their character and the fruit of who they are in Christ. And, um, and so I feel like maybe here in this Council of Jerusalem, one of the reasons why they were able to come to even some kind of amenable ending is because they saw each other, um, they respected um, the work of God in one another. Um, and so that has to do a lot with authentic Christian community. Um, and I think today, um, 
that's a place where God is leading his church and um, to grow and, and really knowing one another. Uh, and even now in the midst of pandemic, when many of us are on like a stay at home order um, and the ways that we can connect are more limited, um, the hunger and the need for authentic Christian community and real connection and deep relationships, I feel like for me is growing, growing, growing all the time. And so to really know one another, then we be really know what each other is like, the work of God in one another's lives. We can respect each other. Uh, and so when somebody comes out and says, hey, I don't think this is what God has for us. I think this is what scripture is saying. Um, even if it goes against what I've taught or my worldview or what I've always thought was right, I'm willing to listen uh, because I honor the spirit of God in that person. And that's the piece that's important, that you're willing to listen. You know, it does show that you honor. Um, and it also shows that, hey, we can disagree. <laughs> And that's the piece that I like, like even um, as Caleb says, like they, you know, the law changed over and now you're really, uh, the law has been placed on your heart by the Holy Spirit. So um, imagine how the Holy Spirit is talking to this person versus how they're talking to you. And you have to respect that as well. Um, so I, I love that we do have the word as a guide and and now we have the Holy Spirit as an internal guide. Um, but even just the, the, the respect of listening to someone else's point of view um, and being willing to speak up and disagree. Um, I think all of that's great um, as long as both are in play, the listening and the respect. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this show, please share it with a friend. You can subscribe to the Storyteller series on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or your own favorite podcast store. For more information, visit SalvationArmySoundcast.org. 